with us on a journey into the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. We will test your senses and challenge your beliefs. A world where science and religion clash. Or do they? You will meet real people and hear real stories, but you will not believe. You will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds, but you will not believe. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the Nightmare. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Ghost Chronicles Next Generation. I am Ron Kolick, and you are joining me is the lovely blonde bombshell herself, Ann Kerrigan. Hey, good evening, everybody. Boy, talk about, yes, hearing strange voices and uh, Mm. things like that. Yep, two guys that don't believe you can measure the mean temperature of the earth. Uh, Cal Cooper, Dr. Cal Cooper, excuse me, and uh, Steve Parsons. So, welcome aboard. Hey, guys. Wait, they all left and, while, while we went to break. Yeah. <laughs> that would have been they wish they, they wish they left. Right. That's we what we should have done, Cal. We should have bailed. <laughs> <laughs> Should the, uh, we, we had a lovely discussion on, on Cal's research uh, and uh, how the serious work he is doing up at the... And University. how it relates to climate change. It'll <laughs> you shut up with that climate change. I'm going to freaking toast you. <laughs> Careful, I might give off methane. You know, when I die, Steve, I'm coming back as an orb and I'm going to haunt the crap out of you. I want you to know that. Do you know how he knows that he's measuring the temperature every hour, Steve? Because he's just putting his candles in the window and they're going, so it must be getting hot. Well, wait a minute. You know, I might be mistaken. I, I, I don't, you know, I'm not sure that, uh, you know, the UK is up to date. They have these things now called uh, thermometers that they actually can measure things that, uh, you know, but I don't know. Maybe you're still working with the mercury. I have no idea. <laughs> but anyway. Oh, boys, 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 boys. What has transpired in the last hour, I'm afraid. Oh, you don't want to ask. Seriously. It was was very controversial. Uh, I don't doubt it. Is it ever not? Yeah. Well, somebody said that you you can measure the average temperature. I'm going to pull your hair out. Oh, wait, you don't have any. (laughs) Oh, well, there you go, Cal. You know you've won an argument when the, the opponent resorts to ad hominem attacks. Oh, here there we go. go. There's, the, there's the old, if you can't believe, trust them, they must attack you, they must be wrong. So, yeah. Okay. Uh, Is Cal still here? We, did he die on us? No, no, no. I was just You played the ball card. Just keep that under your hat, Ron. Love <laughs> 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 it. Yeah. <laughs> You didn't get no Christmas. Oh, wait a minute. I don't send them a Christmas oh, card. Yeah, I don't do that anymore. <laughs> no, I haven't received any of those Christmas cards. Yeah, I, I send them to Steve, but he, he's uh, <laughs> find the post office, evidently. But anyway, uh, so yeah, uh, welcome aboard. Uh, if you don't know, Cal Cooper is uh, a, a, are you a professor? Is that the proper word? I'm in the middle. I'm an associate professor. Oh, associate professor. So what's the difference between an associate professor and a professor? Um, professors, there's different levels. When you start off, you're an associate lecturer, and then you get lecturer status. And then after about 10 years, they also uh, they can make you senior lecturer. And then when you start pushing out a lot of research and getting a lot of grants, they award you the, the middle title of associate professor. And some universities used to call that a reader. 
so your position was a reader. John Belloff oh. was a reader, and we mentioned him in the last show. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when you get full professor status, you're essentially contracted to the university, but the amount of research grants that you generate, um, they pay for your position because you're using them to afford, again, research assistants and PhD candidates. Um, so professor is the sign of you being distinguished in your own particular field and that you generate a lot of research income and also a lot of publications going out instead of going the other direction of becoming say a dean of a particular subject where you are in a managerial role of a certain subject so oh, professor is is more so someone that is full-time research so do you get like a special robe when you become a professor or a... no like a back cape no. Yeah, like a back cake, you know, you get a special back cake. And an associate, you only get like, you know, different. You might only have one stripe on your back, back cake. No, there's no know. stripes on my arm or, or medals. I just get the no. title of ass prof. And then you, when you sit at dinner at the thing, you're all up there on the head table and you're like. <laughs> no, no head tables, nothing, not, no. It's not like Hogwarts no. anymore, Ron. It's all going downhill. Oh my lord! Plus, you probably have to be about a hundred to be a professor, right? <laughs> Ron likes watching Harry Potter. He finds it nostalgic. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! He's speechless. He he, speechless. Yeah. Him back to the days when he was a mere Muggle janitor. <laughs> I, I am. <laughs> So I'm not sure to go which way with the show anymore. <laughs> oh wait, there's a show. Oh, never mind. Yeah, uh, this is yeah. It's uh, yeah. It's to be. <laughs> Cal, Cal, did I mention Cal and Steve have a new book coming out? Paravision. It's all about nice. uh, something. Something. Yeah. Well, the uh, that's enticing. The, that sounds enticing. The clues yeah, in the title, Ron. <laughs> really. Para vision. Ah. Just let oh, that so sink. It's just about, let that sink in for a minute. And yeah, it's you, about French French people's sight. French people. Yeah. Paris, Where the Paris hell design. did you get that? I'm. 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 Je ne sais pas. Je ne comprends pas. Oh yeah. Oh, you speak speak Cal. Oh, you speak French to me. <laughs> <laughs> Like the oh, Adams family we were just discussing oh, on the show. Oh, my goodness. Wow. <laughs> anyway, uh, on, on a, uh, now there is no serious note in here. I, yeah, I lost that. So, uh, Paravision is, is the, the latest book by Steve and, and Cal uh, in a series of books written by Steve and contributed by Cal on some no, of them. No, no, uh, no, 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 you, you're mixing it up. Paracoustics oh. and Paravision are both co co written, co edited. Oh, that's it. Co written. Okay, I'm sorry. Ghostology is strictly a Steve Pass's production, right? And telephones from telephone calls from the dead is strictly a Cal Cooper production. So it looks like Cal dumped. Yeah. Is he dumped? Yeah. yeah. Oh. <laughs> oh. Well, that was rude of him. Yeah. Maybe, uh, mind you, it was through UK Mobile, and I wouldn't like to see the phone bill that Togginet are going to get for that one. Mm. Anyways, yeah, you could call him back. You can, you can annoy him again. He won't pick up, I guarantee. <laughs> He's done. He's like, bye. 
I've had enough of this. <laughs> it's, I think he's, I think you blew him out with the, uh, the French thing. I know it. Get all turned on. It's like, oh. anyway. Uh, so, okay. Anyways, uh, Steve, you are working on a lot of things. You're a member of the, uh, they know Council. who I am. Come to the O2 messaging service. You got his voicemail. It's all over. I told you he'd ran. Uh, <laughs> I, I know. Appar appar apparently, it's uh, he was he was booted by the system. Oh. Here we go. I don't know. Oh, he's back. There we go. They were talking about back? you then, Cal. Oh. We, we, th oh, we thought you ran. We thought you ran. You thought I was what? And you ran. You like, you know, you just had enough and you just ran. Oh no, no, I, I, uh, you hung up on me. You hung up. Oh, on we me. would never do that. The UK. Very sad. Very Steve, sad. maybe, but. Uh, so, uh, I, I saw, I saw the reprinting of uh, telephone calls from the dead, which is is great news for those who haven't read the book. It's an interesting book. I have a copy. I believe it's signed. <laughs> Actually, yeah, there, was, there was a complaint, wasn't there, Cal, about the reprint, the second edition? Because Was uh, it really? Yeah, because it's, the first run was quite a valuable commodity. And people had, there was a guy over here, he, he bought eight or nine copies. Yeah. <laughs> stashed them away. He did for the original, the, the yeah. 1979 one. Mm -hmm. No, we also did I mean, it for yours as well. Well, there's two. I mean, so mine, which came out, uh, I finished it in 2011, and it came out in January 2012. Um, most of my copies were shipped over to the US. People loved it um, over there. But I only had, it was a private run, and we purchased a 1,000 copies at the time. So that's all there ever was. It wasn't a big print run. But they were all oh. gone by about 2018, uh, no, there, there was, no there was hundreds left in circles of wisdom, hundreds of them yeah. in boxes. Oh, in the yeah, yeah, I bet. Um, <laughs> I, I have two copies myself. Yeah, <laughs> one hundred and like the coffee oh, are, you, are you hoarding one, Ron? I mean, what? One, one, of, one of them's pristine, so that I'm saving it, so that when Cal kicks the bucket, it'll be worth big bucks. Oh, exactly. Yeah, but um, I've had so many requests for the book that um, I've just not been really business savvy or been able to get back around to it, but. I really spent the last couple of years getting around to it, and, and especially throughout last year, I just picked up the original book, my own copy of it, where I'd written notes in it, and I just read it page by page through making notes of just minor things that I wanted to change w without drastically changing it at all, but some wordings that I wasn't happy with, just to then preserve it as a, it's not a revised edition, it's just merely a second printing, and also so there's a Kindle edition as well. So the original book's preserved, that's it. But I am working on a, a new revised edition of the book that will have at least four or five more chapters, different title. And at the same time, I've only just managed to get Raymond Bayliss's rights, the original phone calls from the dead from 1979. Um, so hopefully in the next few months, I'm having to manually type out from scratch, word for word, <laughs> every page and every word of the original book by Scott Rogo and Raymond Bayliss. So there will be um, an easily accessible easy to purchase book of the original which has become very scarce you can get second-hand copies for like six seven eight hundred pounds it's ridiculous how much the second-hand copies have become 
and I'm going to put um, an extended postscript in there. So there'll be some extra writing in it. Um, oh, so nice. both books will be available again in the coming weeks and months. That would be excellent. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, in, in, in your revised edition or new edition, did you look at other uh, any new data on on any of the the new methods of uh, communicating with the the dead? Like, for instance, the Estes method method at, at EVPs. Um, well, for the revised edition, I, I, it's merely what I've gathered in folders, knowing that this stuff there that will constitute new chapters. So I, I haven't sat down and, and given any thorough look into any new methods. Um, mm -hmm. The original book that I was doing, it started to teeter around the idea of emails and text messages, which even in 2011 was starting to become a, a new thing. And, and iPhones were, were becoming more popular and more people were buying them and they were advancing every few months there'd be a new type of phone out. Um, but some of the things that you mentioned, you know, EVP stuff, I've seen methods that people go out with using that have just got worse. And the Etsy's method, I even hate using that word. It's a load of nonsense. It's just the Gansfeld and ghost hunters are just going out using that. And I, I don't even like associating that with ghost hunters. I just think it's bad practice of quote, paranormal investigators on social media. It really is just ping pong balls and static while sat in a chair in an allegedly haunted location achieving nothing with no rationale aims or target it's it's complete pseudoscience um so no no evps that i consider those separate to the phone call phenomena even though i mentioned them a bit in the book and, mm -hmm. and certainly not gamsfeld in hauntings so do you agree steve about that uh steve's i mean cal's remarks about the sd's method being basically uh snake oil it is snake exactly, oil it makes me angry it's exactly what i've been saying for a long time since since i first saw that bloody program that did it <laughs> it's i mean i i think one of the criti criticisms i laid out against it was it's entirely subjective mm -hmm. because you're basing it entirely upon a person assuming that they don't know beforehand which on a television program is unlikely. Right. Um, that person is hearing a cacophony of sound, making, trying to make sense of it, saying words that pop into their head. They know where they are as well. You know, so they're not going to say, they're not going to come up with King Arthur <laughs> or dinosaur or jet plane. They're going to come up with words that are relevant to where they are and to the theme of the show. Yeah, so do you know what we're talking about, by the way? I'm sorry. I do. Yes, no, I do. I do. Okay. Thank you. I, I have never had the opportunity to, uh, you know, be a part of any kind of that uh, procedure. So I, I don't have an opinion. Calling it a procedure, I think, elevates its status beyond what it deserves. <laughs> so, I mean, do you, Cal, do you believe that EVPs are, are nothing? Uh, there is no validity as far as of any any uh, any use, any scientific uh, basis for them, or, or anything. I think there could be some interesting ones, certainly with the early methods, where they would get a fresh reel-to-reel -reel tape or cassette tape out the cellophane wrapper and it would, it would go into the player and then they might put it in a soundproof box 
and sometimes they had a medium present that was a good reputation. Um, so the, the studies that I read a lot that ended up in um, the first report was in the Journal of the American SPR, and then there were reports in the Southern Californian SPR Bulletin and also their journal and a few other places. Again, Raymond Bayless, they were really interesting ones, but they weren't extended speech or words. They, they were the odd bang, rap, scratch, murmured voices while in the soundproof studio, recording studio they got, and in a soundproof box, and they were sat in silence, not asking questions, just complete silence as the recording was being done. Um, so those I find interesting. And then shortly afterwards, we had um, Friedrich Jürgensen making a claim of the sounds that he was hearing of his mother while recording bird songs mm -hmm. and rising to fame through that. And then Dr. Konstantin Raudova. But I was very close to a biologist called John Randall um, for the couple of years that I knew him. Um, and he was a longtime parapsychologist. And he didn't like it. He was one of the parapsychologists that was dead against it. He said that he'd read Raudova's book and just thought it was a a load of nonsense. He, he said, if you're getting random sounds that could be just due to some disturbance near the recording device, so it's very muffled, then you're getting a pareidolia effect, where if you're saying that this could be any dead person from around the world, from any time period, using any language, then that gives you scope for any of the noises you hear to be some recognizable speech. He said, you could have something like mare, which means female horse, or mother in French, or the sea. It goes on and on and on where just a single word could have a number of different meanings if we're saying that it can come from every possible language, from every possible dead person. Um, and so there's all these possibilities of all kinds of human error. And, and there was a good two-year report as well that came out of um, David Ellis called The Mediumship of the Tape Recorder. Um, he was given the Parrot Warwick studentship to just look into this. And, and his conclusions were about group conformity and this auditory pareidolia effect where you're you're hearing what you're expecting to hear and, and so forth. Um, so, yeah, I think there's a hell of a lot of human error involved in it. Of course, um, our colleague and good friend Anne Winsper is far more of an authority to comment on that because she spent so much time looking into the psychology of these things. So I, I, I don't want to get too much into EVPs, but I mean, the, the American... Uh... American EVP uh, Association, it's changed its name now, or whatever it is. It used to be AA EVP, but now it's uh, something else. But they used to, they did a lot of research on something they called the big circle, which where they would get um, different people in different parts of the country doing a certain time, uh, turning on their recorders. And they, uh, according to the their website is that they were able to get messages from loved ones that had passed uh, to these particular persons. In other words, uh, say Anne had someone who had passed uh, and Steve had a recorder, then Steve would get a message for Anne on his recorder at that particular time. Is, is there any validity to that? Uh, do you know, not aware of the, the study? Um can't say I'm overly familiar with it. Maybe Steve's got more of an opinion on that one than me. Steve. Well, I'm aware, I'm aware of it, but it's been a long time since I've read about it because I actually, I remember reading about it as part of uh, the background reading um, that we were doing for Paracoustics, which includes a chapter on electronic voice phenomena. Mm 
Um, but it has been quite a while. It's interesting that um, Cal highlights some of the problems with EVP research or some of the criticisms of EVP research because they're, they are they are valid, pointing out that you know they widen the scope to it include any person of any language. And often yeah. many of the Roudiva ones were polyglot in that the, they claim that the, the alleged speaker was using multiple languages um, you know, to convey a sentence. So, so, you know, so that does leave them open to criticism. However, there are a compellingly small number of, or there is a very small number of very compelling electronic voice phenomena that have been presented um, forward that do seem to throw a spanner in that works. And, you know, we go back to the white crow again. We only need one white crow. Mm -hmm. So I, I've i always been intrigued by electronic voice phenomena. It's not something that I have ever considered as being a useful tool, certainly not in, the, in a haunted location, although that's very much the modern trend. But if you if you do go back through some of the research that was carried out. I mean, it's not a new phenomena. Um, you know, it's been, these voices have been heard for more than 100 years. They've been recorded for more than 100 years, breaking through on electronic devices, um, breaking through on telephones. So we are dealing with, you know, it's presenting enough questions for us to, seek the answers to but could mm. these evps be you know i mean they really come into into focus with the advent of radio and so could these be just random radios from all around the world that are just bouncing up there and, and being picked up by a certain electronic device well that's like saying you know i mean yes but Equally, another theory that's been proposed, and I used to talk about it, was the ghost in the machine idea, whereby, in, in actual fact, the desire to want to have a voice appear on the, or, or a voice manifest on your recording, actually, it's a form of telepathy oh, or, yeah. or psychokinesis, because right. you are, the, you know, you are so fired up with desire that you you in effect are putting that voice there onto the recording mm. yeah ba Bayless referred to them as as pk based and that yeah we called them presence. well we called them the ghost in the machine effect but mm -hmm. yeah i was never caught on <laughs> <laughs> i don't think the pk one did either i feel like if that's the case then why isn't every evp session i've ever recorded and there's 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 times where i get absolutely nothing and other times when i don't even expect to get anything there's something there the ones that are unexpected are some of the most baffling but i would i would suggest that if you if you go on any um ghost hunt any paracon uh ghost event spirit quest and you you <laughs> Put, put a, an EVP recorder um, there on the playback, mm. you can virtually guarantee people will hear something. Right. I've Very never known it. Well, I've never known it fail. 
it is, you know, it, it's a guaranteed win-win situation for a show and tell mm. during a, you know, a public mm. access event because you know you're going to get a hit from it. Yeah, but what when you're out on your own? That's Just, a different. In fact, you know? yeah, I, I, I'm with you on this, Anne, because during the decades that I've been you know, in haunted houses, and there have been recorders running not to capture. I don't mm-hmm. think we've ever set out to capture an EVP uh, because right. we don't use our recorders in that way. We are recording the ambient sounds. Uh, but occasionally one or more of the recorders does pick up something highly unusual. And one of the most baffling of all took place, it must be now 25 years ago, Um and was picked up simultaneously by 12 recorders. Mm. Now, you know, that completely challenges my understanding of, of sound, sound recording and physics, because what was most interesting or baffling or perplexing of all was that those 12 recorders weren't placed together. They were spread out throughout a building over two floors. And I think... Uh, up to um, 40, 50, 60 meters apart. Wow. And yet the amplitude of the the audio recording was the same on each mm-hmm. recorder. Now, that the, the first thing we thought of, oh, there's a public address system. Mm-hmm. But there was no public address system. Wow. And we were never able to replicate that. We never mm-hmm. replicated uh, that, sort, that sound event ever again. And yet, you know, it was it lasted. It it wasn't a one-off event. It wasn't just a single sound, a or a polyglot of words that lasted a few seconds. The thing went on for about fourteen minutes. Wow, that's crazy. Anyway, unfortunately, we do have to take a break now. Uh, you're listening to uh, Ghost Chronicles: Next Generation right here on Tojinet, brought to you by Circles of Wisdom, two eighty six Merrimack Street, Methuen, Massachusetts. The Glant Messier Family Law Group, 15 High Street, not the end of Massachusetts, and our very good friends on Ghost Chronicle Radios on Patreon. We'll be right back after the following messages right here on TojiNet Radio. Do you have a paranormal event, book, or something else you want people to know about? Then why not advertise it on Ghost Chronicles Radio? With over 150,000 downloads a month, get your message out to an audience that's interested in the subject. We have a plan at a cost that fits your needs. For more information, contact Ron Kolick at anyghostproject at comcast.net or call 978-455-6678. Located in Illinois, there lies a sleepy little town where nothing is a common occurrence. You going to that party in town tonight? Heck yeah! I only turned 18 once. That is until the night of celebration. Where the hell is she? Oh no. No, 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 Jessica! What? 
the creators of Shadowhunters bite me comes a tale of primal terror. Grind called mayhem. Shadowhunters, kill Jessica, kill! <laughs> Harry Price, I am speaking to you via the medium of the Ghost Box. Many of you will know I carried out the first live radio broadcast from Haunted House way back in 1936 for the BBC. Now, thanks to the wonders of modern technology, I am still able to keep abreast of 21st century ghost hunting by listening to Ghost Chronicles International on Togginet, Para-X Radio, The Ghost Channel, and even on something called a podcast. Two splendid chaps host it. One is an American who calls himself New England's own Van Helsing, although I have discovered his real name is Ron Kolek. The other is Stephen Parsons, and he's a paranormal scientist. Well, Mustache, I'm required elsewhere on something called a K2. But don't forget, I'll be listening in every Tuesday from 8 o'clock in Great Britain and 3 o'clock on the American Eastern Seaboard. I trust you will join me there. And welcome back to Ghost Chronicles Next Generation with Ron and Ian and Dr. Cal Cooper and Steve Parsons. Why was I last? I don't know. It just yeah, ended up uh, alphabetical. At least it wasn't misgendered. <laughs> That's no, true. He's bringing up the rear. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, <laughs> it, Cal mentioned, and and Steve has talked about it in the past as well, that you know a lot of times, especially with the rise of spiritualists, uh, paranormal or parapsychology research has been towards uh, the checking the validity of uh, mediums. Uh, to, is that kind of going by the wayside? Do we have just discarded mediums? They are no longer. Uh, Valid and they should the, be uh, treated like cockroaches, they should be oh, burned. God, like stop. No, seriously, Pell, stamped uh, out and burned. It's, I mean, I can't remember the exact words, I don't have the photographic recall that Cal has, but I think Houdini summed it up quite well. Yes, yes. I was hoping Cal would jump in with the exact <laughs> he, didn't, he didn't jump in to save your ass. That, why should he? No, that's true. We're all basically, ba- basically, it's bunkum. But but Cal mentioned in, in his research of some of the years. I mean, your hero was Harry Price, and he used mediums and to uh, and and you know the the Rhine studied uh, various mediums. You know Houdini, of course, uh, with the. Uh, uh, what's the name of that magazine? Uh, not the magazine. It was a Harvard Marjorie. University. Harvard, no, Harvard University, University or whatever. There was, you know, several American science uh, 
they investigated these mediums. They they checked to see if they're bloody. Is is research on mediums pretty much done? And I want to ask Cal that because he's still active in the the paranormal research community. What well, I'm not. No, not at a university. That's, you don't have you know, to be in university to be. That, wait a minute. That's like me having a. a, a Hang on. Hang on. Can we? Uh, it's like me having a environmental science degree. It doesn't can, count, Steve. Can, uh, well, can, we, on, can Steve. we get? Can we get that that other UK parapsychologist on? Can we get Dylan Jones on? <laughs> Uh, so, so he's not at the university. Cal, are you still there? He was. <laughs> I think it did he bail. He was there before the break. I saw him. He was there during the break. He's, he probably he's went to in... bed. He's tired. No, we said that last time. He just got ejected by the system, didn't he? Oh, again? May have been. He hasn't paid Quite his phone bit. bill. Because yeah, I, I looked for him. He was there. It's very strange. Every time we ask him a question, he gets <laughs> disappears. See, that's just a sign of weakness. <laughs> Stop. Anyway. You guys. You can hear, when you say Cal, he, ho he hovers his finger over the red leave call button. <laughs> Hang up. I don't want to do this. <laughs> Save my butt. Maybe he just nodded off. <laughs> He'll be back. All right. I so, have every confidence. I can. So sense. now you have to ask Steve the question. <laughs> yeah. My, oh, hang on. Let me just put my finger over that red button. Wait. He already said bunko. He already said bunk, or whatever. Yeah, but Ron Ron knows that the that the short answer is not the nuanced long answer, but he hates the long answers because he tells me a waffle. So. Um, I love the new answer, the old long answers. I love listening to you, Steve. I could listen to you all night. I bet. Mm. I hope not because sleep. Yeah, <laughs> I hope not because I need to be asleep. But Steve wants to go to hell to sleep. Okay. The, the the longer, more nuanced answer is the vast majority of these people who purport to be mediums and psychics are nothing more than charlatans and fraudsters, and that's been demonstrated time and time and time again by by innumerable researchers and by innumerable studies. However, there are a few, a very, very few, um, such as Eileen Garrett, who have withstood the scrutiny and have genuinely perplexed and baffled those who seek to debunk them. So to say that there is no such thing as mediumship or an ability to communicate with, with an afterlife would be naive. But to say that, you know, to, to go about testing, I don't think much can be gained by testing mediums any longer within laboratory settings because people have been testing mediums in, in under controlled conditions uh, for nearly 100 years now, over 100 years, in fact, because if we look at the work of Faraday, Robert Hare, William Crookes and others who were in the, you know, the mid, the second half of the 19th century. And over and over and over and over again, um, these people fail and they come up with excuses as to why they failed. It's because of the environment they were in. It's because of the mood they were in. It's because of the day of the week. It's because they didn't have porridge for breakfast. <laughs> it's any with number milk. of... 
with milk. It's any number of reasons to excuse the failure. And you saw, I mean, Randy did a, a series of television shows where he gave the mediums or these people claiming special abilities every opportunity um, with very minimal controls, sometimes no controls at all. And yet they still manage to fail and then still throw out an excuse. Um, you know, we, we look back, go back 100 years and Price, Harry Price, together with Eric Dingwall, a fellow, a fellow researcher and member of the SPR, republished um, a book that had originally been written by a medium, but which exposed all of the tricks that mediums were using. It was an American medium and it told how they went to particular towns. They sent researchers, friends on ahead of them to stroll the, the, the local newspapers, to look for the through the death columns and other columns to find, they, they fished the audience um, to get information. And it, it, it was a, a how to be a psychic medium. But when the book was published, the original book, which I think was uh, in the 1890s, the mediums were so incensed by this publication that they it was a small print run. They bought them all up and destroyed them. <laughs> the book became, like Telephone Calls from the Dead, incredibly valuable. And Harry Price had two, one of which he sacrificed to make a, a facsimile copy, uh -huh. which was published uh, republished in the late 1920s. Oh, wow. And it, it, it's available online. I think Google Books now have it in, in one of their um, uh, archive projects where they, they digitize books. Wait, what's the name of it, Steve? Uh, Can you recall? Uh, I can't because it's, it's nearly 1 a.m. Um, yeah, I know. You want, if you want to take off, Steve, you can take off. No, 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 you're fine. I'm on a rant. <laughs> but, but, uh, what about uh, our, our good friends? Our good friends, like Maureen and Leslie, who, you know, they're not in it for the money. They're not no, in they're it not. for they're the all, fame I mean, or whatever. I mean, so what about them? Well, you know, I... I, see, I, I, I have lots of friends who claim to be mediumistic and I would never set out to dismiss their ability. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it's not my place to. I'm not interested in testing mediums. I never have been. It's not the job of a ghost hunter right. or an investigator to test these claims. You know, occasionally they, you know, I've always advocated that if, if somebody there is saying that they have a special ability, then the information that they provide should be recorded and retained, not dismissed, but equally not given any special credibility or any special status because of their claim. Now, you either, you either then set out to test the claim or you simply accept the information at face value like you do from, from any other person there. It, it is a human impression of how they found the event, what they felt like, what they what they thought was happening. Mm -hmm. And occasionally, and it does happen, and it's happened to me, occasionally, very rarely, some of that information has proven to be highly accurate right. and highly 
unlikely for that person to have had foreknowledge. Really? So, so you do find that, it, as I said before, it would be naive to dismiss these these mm -hmm. abilities. And if they, Anne and I had a con, uh, and Winsper and I had had a conversation about this decades ago, and we came to the conclusion that yes, there probably is some special ability, but the ability to control it is 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 just not there. So these special abilities. A bit like the EVPs you talked about earlier, Anne, right. when they just happen spontaneously when you're least expecting it. I think about well, least expected, more interesting. It seems like our friend Charles returned us. I saw him. Yes, I, I am back. I am back. I sensed his arrival. <laughs> uh, you know, it seems I, like I, anytime I, I, I ask you a question, Cal, you run. So I, I don't understand that. I just. Uh, no, no, no. I gave a full response. Whether you were listening or not is a different matter. <laughs> <laughs> I refer the honourable lady to the answer I gave some moments ago. <laughs> yeah. So, so but, my question, I, and I just want your side will understand that, Cal. Before we move on, yeah. is that uh, is is uh, we pretty much given up on serious uh, research of testing mediums, right? Uh, well, yeah. Well, no, um, that, well, yeah, no. Yeah, there's not a lot yeah, of it no, going but... on because, I mean, number one, there's not a lot of people coming forward saying that they, they can do things under control conditions and they're willing to be tested. But there were mediums of days gone by where they insisted that their abilities were put to the test. It was like a, a different um, breed of mediums back then. Now we just don't have that many, even though we have very many that are very self-assured. Um, but another thing as well is for universities, they have to be very wary of um, mediums coming forward, wanting to be put to the test. They go to the university, they do some lab-based tests, and they could be just mm, interesting or not very interesting at all. But that medium goes away saying, I was tested by the University of Steve uh, Parsons or whatever. And they will use it as some sort of accolade. As seen on TV. When, <laughs> as seen on TV, yeah. Whether uh, they were successful or not, and that's one of the problems that you know the university don't want to be attached to something like that right. if the person's a complete fraud or whatever. So there are still ways of doing it, and of course we will test them if it's worthy of testing. But we just have to be very careful as to what ultimately they're trying to get out of it if they come to us saying that they they're desperate to be taken. Take sign a disclosure. That's all. You've got to be uh, very careful with the we, Carl's absolutely right. The, you know, you've got to be incredibly careful. It is, yeah. I, mean, I never looked at it that way, but Well, when you're dealing with these people, because we have out here in West Wales, remote West Wales, we have a leading award-winning psychic medium. Now, award-winning. Yeah, sorry, a leading award-winning international psychic medium well, now when you when you look into that claim the award that she got was for um business present <laughs> business presentations and international she did some readings whilst in spain on her holidays in a pub oh my god <laughs> So it's how you interpret it. You know, if you if you do test these people, and we've seen it happen. Um, I was at Hope University in Liverpool with Dr. Kieran and Matt Smith when a medium who was being tested went out 
and was publicly telling people, hey, I've been tested, but, you know, I'm such a great medium. The university wanted to test me and I, I was tested it. by them. So it does happen. Mm-hmm. You know, you get uh, and it's the same with these with, you know, it's, it's not just mediums either. Ghost hunters are just as bad at it. Because you you get these people and they'll say, "Well, I've I'm seen a on TV, like you said, I've seen on TV, or I'm a parapsychologist because they they bought an award from someone, or oh. I'm a or I'm a parapsychologist because I did an online course with Dr. O'Keefe, or I'm a and I've seen it all. People will push themselves to the top of the pond, you know, using any and every method, particularly when there's a buck to be made." Or if not a buck to be made, their ego to be massaged. Is so ESP exorcisory perception is is that many? But that's another thing that's kind of disappeared as well. We don't have the the or do we? If I correct me if I'm wrong, we don't have the studies anymore on center cards or any of that particular thing. Well, everything we just discussed was an aspect of ESP. I mean, the mediumship is an aspect of ESP. The precognition studies that we discussed are an aspect of ESP. That's um, you know, but even potentially some aspect of that might exist within the the EVP. Um, we talked about also PK as well as a separate thing to that as well. Um, ESP is just a term that maybe we're not batting around as much as we used to, but it's essentially some form of telepathy, precognition, or clairvoyance. Um, all studies right now in parapsychology are to do with ESP. I think it's just when people hear ESP, they think of the Zener cards, but um, it's because back then, Ryan just coined the term for his first monograph by that title, Extrasensory Perception, that came out in 1934, um, to encapsulate whatever it may be. Because when you do those early studies, there's different ways in which you could do them. You could hold up a card and be looking at it, and your participant is looking at the back, and you might be thinking, well, I can see the star and I'm trying in my mind to send them the star. So they think, well, is that telepathy? But or with the early, the with the early Zener cards, they could, in fact, see the car, see the star. Uh, only, only the popular ones like Kmart and Woolworths, when they mass produce <laughs> uh, them. That's the not was... true. The first cards that came out, the first Zener decks that were produced were see-through. Price found not, that out. Not at Duke. They were on thick card and roller prints. So every time okay. they did them, they... They binned them, and then they got our ink rollers, and they did fresh ones, so they were thick card. Okay. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I've, I've recently reread the biography for Ryan, so it, it's well, fresh Well, that's, bi- that's biased, because Price says the opposite in his biography, and that's why we have the telepathic cards. Which are well, what, what has Price said about it, then? Why would, is, is Price making the claim that the, the Zener cards were see-through? Yes, it's in his well, then, is he not Is he not doing that from hearing about it in the public through what Kmart and Woolworths were pushing? <laughs> he specifically, he specifically said, well, anyway, we could change that. So let's go back to Glenn. Nah, no, nah. Let's, no, let's stick <laughs> with the cards because Price is quite emphatic that the first Zener cards that were available were see-through. Yeah, available. That came out and Woolworths. Well, I haven't got the exact wording in front of me, and I don't have the photographic recall that you have. 
but that Jeez. led directly to Price producing his own set. Steve, you, you must have a copy of uh, of uh, a Rhine deck of Zeta cards. I'm sure you do. I do have a Rhine deck and I have a Telepatha deck. So is it see-through, the one you have? No, 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 no. No, 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 mine's I, a 1960s deck. They'd fixed it by then. Yeah, you, you oh. won't have the 1920s, 1930s. No, no, I don't. Fixed. I don't think they even exist any longer. I don't think even the Not really, no. They, they might be in archives at Duke, but no one has those. Okay. No, absolutely. Carl's absolutely right. I don't. I, I don't. I don't think I've even seen an original set of the yeah, very they're, they're first. Built, they are because, just white on the back, white well, on the front, weren't, and they, weren't they literally they, used an ink roller. Well, I was going to say they were made in house at the university. Yeah. So we could contact our good friend Lloyd Arbrack and he could certainly have a look if, down the back of a cupboard. Yeah. If, <laughs> no, if, 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 he might find someone thesis. Wait a minute. If, if, there, if there is a copy of Duke University, he would, he would have accessibility to it. No. That's like, I do. As Cal said it's like the missing PhD thesis of Dr. Young. <laughs> mm. Yeah, we yeah, we did a show on that one time. So, uh, we should get Robert anyway. on for the show. I'll I'll think I might talk to him and ask him. The missing the guy was we'll missing, and then we'll spring Cal on him halfway through. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm up for it. <laughs> I'm sure you are. Oh my goodness. So, uh, going back in the earlier show, Ian, which you weren't there, uh, Cal is doing, he's got about, like, uh, mentioned that the university is, what, about 10, is it you particularly or just the university will have 10 different studies going on on uh, uh, parapsychology? We've probably got more than that. There's probably 15 or 16 different studies going on because we've got over 20 different members of staff and then um focused on parapsychology and different um students um, we've got 10 to 11 different phd and one d prof doctor of professional practice um that are working on different aspects of parapsychology or transpersonal psychology so loads of different pro uh, projects on the go yeah, so you're not the only university that's doing it i mean you know up in aberdeen you got poor Dylan slogging away in the remote. Oh, of course, yeah. There's, there's about a dozen UK universities that have a taught module for parapsychology. So they're taking on many undergraduate students each year. And there's another dozen after that that will take on research degrees because the staff there has some background in parapsychology. So for Dylan, his supervisor is Rachel Ironside. And she was one of the students from the University of York under uh, Professor Robin Woffett. So she was essentially going through parasociology um so has a parapsychology themed phd i think from actually, every phd spawns more supervision yeah but i think dylan should rebrand himself because there's any number of parapsychologists and you know if he's aiming to carve a career path and parasociologist or well it is parasociology through through rachel I think that could create a, a you know a much better path. And certainly a lot more questions about what when he announces he's a parasociologist. Well, it's so, part of his 
thesis is really, I mean, looking at when he mentions the title and what he's doing, it is a sociological matter. Yeah, I think he's missed the, I think he's missed the trick here. I think he's mislabeling himself and missing out on a potential niche market. So is, is, is uh, Jack Hunter a parasociologist? Would you classify him as that? No, he's a paraanthropologist. Anthropologist. Okay, I would see that. <laughs> but uh, you know, when I, so I went off air a moment ago, it gave me a chance to go and brush my teeth, and now all three of you are joining me in bed. This is very different. Oh, <laughs> really? Like the big well, breakfast all over again. <laughs> you going to talk? You going to talk French again? <laughs> again? <laughs> I join you in bed again? <laughs> yeah, you know what you see. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Oh, my God. Say no more, say no more. Yeah. yeah it's when you start prodding you, you in the back you... that you have to start to really go. <laughs> oh, please, don't mind that. Don't mind that. That's just my flashlight. Just my oh, flashlight. Oh, my God. Guys. You have, you have about 15 studies going on. Uh, you said, how is there like a head of the, the department that actually determines which studies are the university accepts in uh then the funding is, or do you have to go with a a, a a proposal with your studies and have funding with it? Um, so I suppose they're ultimately decided by the people that are either getting the grants or they're directing research. So I suppose the, the three main people that decide what we do are Professor Chris Rowe, who gains a lot of the grants and turns them into graduate teaching assistant posts. So it pays off the PhD, but they're contracted to teach at the same time. Um, the other person would be uh, Dr. David Saunders, who's also an associate professor, but he's our head of psychology, but he is a parapsychologist and he's pushing research too. And the other person um, would be me taking on the supervision, but I'm the head of our research department, which is exceptional experiences and consciousness studies. Oh, I love that. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, we've run out of time, so you guys will actually no, have, to, we'll have to go back to bed. Oh, you're already in bed. I'm he's sorry. already, I'm been, already in, in bed. He's already he's he's ready. My feet, Ron. my feet are freezing. Can't you feel that? <laughs> <laughs> I That's... forgot to feed. I forgot to feed the cats yet before I go to bed. Well, how about the cats? What does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> You don't even have any cats. What are you on about? It means (laughs) that the two cats, which are sat on the floor, glaring at me because it's well past the supper time. Oh yes. Yeah, and they want the. They want the. Yeah. This is too odd for late night radio. I've got a very hungry cat looking at me. (laughs) 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 It's licking its lips. You know his wife's name is Cat, by the way. Just so. oh <laughs> my goodness, we do oh, have to God. go. Thirty seconds. We do. So anyway, you have you have been listening Cat to. Cat doesn't uh, work on my wife, so. It doesn't. <laughs> have you tried like putting it in our porridge? Oh yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> just a splash of milk. Just a splash of milk would do. Special milk. Anyways, uh, thank you all for listening. We want to thank uh, certainly Cal Cooper and uh, what's his name, Steve Parsons, uh, for hanging on. Uh, <laughs> that last his, guy. Late hour uh, here tonight, and uh, tune in next week. Good night, everyone. God bless. Good night, everybody. <laughs> Good night again for the second time. Much love. Uh, that was that was. <laughs>
From goalies to ghosties, long-leggedy beasties, and things that go bump in the night. Deliver us, good Lord.